Welcome, dear listeners, to the second instalment of the AM Drive Time Show in the English series called Ramadan Around the World. For the Arabic series, tune in to the next episode with Abir for her series called Tufu Shuf. The following is a compilation of pre-recorded segments prepared especially for the month of Ramadan. First, we shall begin with a brief outline of one of the countries of the world. Accompanying this is an interview with a member from our ethnically diverse Muslim community in which they will share with us some information about their traditions from the beginning of the holy month of Ramadan up until the blessed occasion of Eid al-Fitr. Amid some beautiful chants that put us in the atmosphere of this time of the year, we also have some lovely poems layered with encouragement to properly utilize our limited and fleeting time this month. In our lineup, we also have a piece of dialogue that is rich with benefits and a series about the events from Islamic history that occurred during the holy month. We want to carry on with our text and win competition, so stay alert as we might ask the question at any point during the episode. However, be warned as the Ramadan text and win questions have a specific WhatsApp number separate from the Tuam FM WhatsApp number. This number will be mentioned alongside the question. And finally, we conclude this lineup with a short religious lesson. The AM Drive Time team would like to congratulate you on the advent of this blessed occasion and wishes you well during this month. We hope that you keep in touch with us during the upcoming text and wing question and we hope to reconvene with you all for our live episodes after the month of Ramadan. We are now beginning the core segment of our series in which we speak about Ramadan traditions across the world. First, let us introduce our chosen country for this episode. Today we are speaking about Guinea. And then we will hear a little bit about the experiences of a dear brother and how he commemorated Ramadan in Guinea. Guinea is a country located in West Africa on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. Three major West African rivers rise from Guinea. They are the Senegal, Gambia and Niger rivers. The capital of Guinea is Conakry, which has a population of 1.66 million. The country has an abundance of natural resources, including gold, diamonds, and featured the most bauxite reserves globally in 2022. Within Guinea's highlands stands Mount Nimba and the Mount Nimba Strict Nature Reserve, richly populated with Guinean wildlife and greenery. The reserve was declared a World Heritage Site by UNESCO circa 1980. There are four main ethno-linguistic groups that constitute the Guinean population and they can be categorized into the four geographical locations from which they arise. Since the 1980s, however, the population of Guinea became increasingly diverse with the inclusion of traders from Lebanon and Syria 
and refugees from neighboring countries. Among the mosques in Guinea are the Conakry Grand Mosque, aptly named as it is one of the largest mosques in West Africa. The mosque was built by the first president of Guinea in 1981, with the space to accommodate 10,000 men and 2,500 women in the upper levels. The mosque also features five green minarets. Another mosque in Conakry is the Muhammad VI Mosque, which can accommodate over 3,000 people at a time. The area also features a library, a conference room, and a home for the imam of the mosque. Perhaps the most unique structure was the Dingirai Mosque from the 18th to 19th centuries, one of the largest mosques in Guinea at its time, and it featured a distinctly large thatched roof and earthen structure. As we will soon hear in the following interview, the Muslim population in Guinea holds unity amongst family members as an important factor contributing to the atmosphere of their Ramadan celebrations. This is closely tied to the physical proximity of their residents, as well as the collectivist attitudes that prevail in many culturally diverse communities. Without any further delay, let us hear about the traditions of our brother from Guinea during the month of Ramadan. Welcome to the special Ramadan segment, Ramadan Around the World, where some of our dear brothers and sisters from a variety of different countries and ethnic backgrounds tell us about the way they would commemorate the holy month in their home country. Today we are joined by Suleiman. Hi Suleiman. Hello Sister Dima, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing all right. And where are you from? I'm Guinea, or some people might know as Guinea. So, Suleiman, would you like to tell us how Ramadan is declared to the Muslim public in your country? Uh, yeah, usually they, they announce it at the mosque. So the 29th of Sha'adan, people go to the mosque and they are announced. I have to let you know, this is like 15 years ago when I was there. I don't know now because everyone has mobile apps now. So they're probably following the same system as we are now for the general public here. Back then, 15 years ago, let's say, people actually attended the mosque regularly. But now everyone has their smartphones. Even oh. one uh, children, their grandfathers, they're all <laughs> using smartphones. So That's everyone true. will be relying on those things. So I'm not 100% sure if it's still the same, but some people will still do it. So Those kinds of traditions, doesn't that give more of an atmosphere of Ramadan? To oh, it does. To be at the mosque and then hear that it's Ramadan? Yeah, 100%. So Suleiman, were you raised in Guinea? Uh, yeah, I spent less than half my life there. But yeah, I was there for quite a bit. And would you like to tell us about the atmosphere of Ramadan in your country? The atmosphere is very good in, during Ramadan. When I was there, it felt more livelier than when it's not Ramadan because you have a lot of connection with people. And usually when it's Ramadan, people close their stores because people usually own businesses so they can choose to close their businesses and go home. And when, when it's time to fast, everyone, especially the kids, they're very excited for Ramadan. You know, it is at the start, oh, mom, dad, I want to fast, I want to fast. And then when they're fasting the first day, it's beautiful. They brag to all their friends about it. And it's all like, oh, I fasted this many, <laughs> this many days. So what about your family over here? Were they able to bring some of their traditions from home and, and apply them here? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially the food. The food, that one was kept. I mean, it doesn't taste as good here than there because it's like... Different there, there is premium, premium package, <laughs> premium. Yeah. 
like straight from the farm or stuff like that. But yeah, the food and the atmosphere. And, you know, we have to go visit at least someone's house once during Ramadan, mm. which is beautiful to have, like tasting different kind of levels of cooking. <laughs> so food is a big one for you. Oh, a big one in Ramadan. <laughs> it's a big one. And during Ramadan, it's like one of the best times to like um, visit the family and have laughs because in this country, it doesn't happen often when you go visit family every now and then and then having long laughs with big families, that is. Because here, if you're visiting, you'll be like you and your small family visit one person. But in Ramadan, the whole family comes together and visit that one person. It's true. And then it's all afternoon, just laughter, 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 laughter. I wanted to ask, does your family live close to each other in your country? Yes. Yes, they do. And do you find that that may make it easier for you to come together more often and have those bonds that are stronger than the ones that we have here? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That, yeah. That, I can attest to that one. Okay, so now we're going to start by talking about the night before fasting. We're going to be talking about suhoor time and uh, what you eat for sahur. So sahur would be the meal that you're eating and suhoor would be the period of time before fajr where people would eat their sahur meal. So what habits or traditions do you have for suhoor time? Uh, first, I need to start by saying, may Allah bless mothers and increase their rank big time. Because during sahur, that's the moment most mothers, at least in my country, wake up at least half an hour or an hour preparing everything. Like they will, some of them will cook during the night and then during the sahur, they will wake up and prepare everything before anyone wakes up mm. and then go and wake people up which alhamdulillah for mothers, I appreciate them. Me, I would be sleeping. <laughs> That's my tradition. And yeah, my mother or my stepmothers will wake me up and wake the whole family up and we'll come eat together as a family, which oh, I miss that, not going to lie, I very much miss that. And what foods would you eat during this time? Um, the most common food at that time would be like bread and meat. Bread like, and meat? Mm, Meat? Like fried meat, boiled meat and cooked meat. Yeah, the co- most common one is like bread and meat. Um, fried meat put into bread and then coffee. Coffee and milk, coffee mixed with milk. Not just simple coffee. I, I didn't know that <laughs> that much <laughs> until I came here. Even as a child, you would drink coffee with the, your food? Yeah, yeah. Really? They, they, it's not pure coffee. It's like coffee, tea and then milk. I should clarify, yeah. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. And then eat as much as you can because you'll be eating for the whole day pretty much. So after that meal, would you find that you got hungry or thirsty throughout the day? It depends how much I eat. And I used to eat a lot. So no, I was fine during <laughs> Except since I was a kid, I used to play a lot as well. So I will expend all my energy during the day. In the afternoons, I would just be lying there waiting for time to come, <laughs> to, to come in. So starting with the first day of Ramadan, what are your habits or your traditions during that first day? So if you have someone specific that you visit or some foods that are always on the table, tell me about that. Um, traditionally, normally, I would say people do visit like the eldest person's house the first day. Mm-hmm. And oh, let's just say there is a lot of food during the first day. That one you can't. <laughs> everyone, literally everyone would pack would cook and then bring to the eldest and then start having a feast. And the foods that are miss, it's in my language, it's called footy and then boiri, those two. And the boiri one, it can be exchanged with something called gosi. But 
almost always footy and boiling. Footy. What's footy? Footy is, it's a mixture of a bunch of vegetables, beaten and then putting a lot of chili. You have to put that. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and boiri, what's boiri? Boiri is um, rice flour mixed mixed up in, in a pot. Keep mixing it until it becomes these bold, bold things. And then put a lot of sugar and tamarind in it. Ooh. Yeah, it's okay. very tasty. Are these, are these side dishes or are they main dishes? Uh, the boiri is like a starter. Okay. It's a starter. And the footi is the main one. Wow. Yeah. I think we're going to make some people hungry. Yeah. <laughs> So when you're invited to someone's house for Ramadan, do you typically take something with you? Definitely. And what do you take? Um, it depends what who is bringing. But some people take the boiri that I mentioned. Some people take the footi. Some people take the gosi. Some people take lakiri. And what's that one? <laughs> lakiri is like corn, um, dried corn, beaten, and then boiled. And then put um, yogurt milk on it. And it's beautiful. Never yogurt. heard of anything and like that. And these yogurt milk are not the, the ones that you find in the shelf. It's like almost straight from the from the cow. Wow. Yeah. Premium condition. <laughs> and then you put it on it and then you have it. And what are your favorite foods? My favorite foods. Mm. Footy will be the one. That's like my all-time high food. Really? Anywhere in the world. So what about some staple dishes? Because I want to hear more about the food. And uh, what is it that you eat a lot during this time of the year? Footy is a staple food. Every table, uh, as far as I know, will have footy. Every table would have boiri or kosang or both, because those are like starters. And I uh, missed one before, uh, ketu. Ketu is one of them, which is cassava and a bunch of ingredients in it mixed up. And uh, it's also... What's cassava? Cassava. Cassava is a root vegetable. And it can be eaten in many different ways. It can be made as ketung, it can be grilled, it can be fried, it can be uh, boiled. It's one of those strong foods. When you have little of it, you will feel very full for yeah. long periods of time. Oh, that's really good for Ramadan. Oh, then. yeah, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> we should be having that for sahur. <laughs> but meat is a good substitution for it. So. so moving on to desserts, because we did speak a lot about main dishes and starters. Do you eat any desserts around this time of year? Um, we're not really big on desserts over there. Really? No. no we, at least as long as I was there, dessert wasn't a big... I would just eat the main dish until I, I can't eat anymore and then that's it. Wait for Aisha to come in. Mm. And finally, when Naid rolls around, what is it that you eat in your country? Whether it be main dishes or desserts? That would be two main things. During Eid, we usually, the main staple foods are jollof, and, uh, which is known as rigra in my tongue, and these rice cakes, small rice cakes. So you put the rice in the mortar, and then you beat it with the pesto, and until it becomes all rice floury, because we don't, we don't go buy uh, rice flowers at, at the shops. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I you like make your here. own. We make our own. But I don't know now. Maybe now they do it. But at the time that I was there, they made fresh on the spot right there. So they would beat it, beat it while putting some water, while beating, mixing it with water and then put sugar. I'm not sure if some people put honey in it as well, but then mix it until it becomes very wet and then boil it up and then serve it up. Mashallah. It's, it's one of the best 
best staple foods ever, man. In aid, if someone doesn't have that, it's it's a strange thing. And then the jollof, it's it's rice mixed with vegetable oils, meat, fish, and a bunch of other vegetables, and mix, mix, mix in in the pot, and then take it out and eat it. Mashallah. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, some details about your country and the foods that you eat. Ah, you're very welcome, Sister Diema. Finally, he. Ramadan is finally he, shining upon us again this year. With good deeds, fill its days and nights, and keep its massive rewards intently in your sights. Ramadan is finally he. this opportunity while the devils are chained to cleanse your heart and get yourself trained in obeying the Creator through self-restraint. Ramadan is finally here. Staying away from sins, performing the obligations, and striving to overcome your bad inclinations. Remember, it's only your deeds that you take to the grave, so let the good deeds be what you seek and what you crave. Ramadan is finally here. listening to some dialogue between two sisters whose conversation touches on a variety of benefits and reminders surrounding the month of Ramadan. Assalamu alaikum Dima, taqabbal Allahu ta'atikum. Wa alaikum assalam, ghafar Allahu lana wa lakum. How have you been spending the days of Ramadan? As you can probably expect, I have been seeing a lot more of my family, spending time with them, preparing for the iftar dinner with them, catching up. It feels almost as if I haven't seen my family gather like this since last Ramadan. I completely understand the feeling. These days, and especially since our families often live so far away from each other, 
we're more prone to falling short when it comes to seeing our families. It's true. As busy as we get, we should not allow ourselves to neglect our religious duties, and among them is to maintain the ties of kinship. What's kin? Is that just another word for family? When speaking about the kin that a person must maintain the obligatory ties with, we are referring to all of the Muslim relatives on both their mother's and father's sides. The Prophet ﷺ spoke about the one who severs ties with their kin without a religiously valid excuse in his hadith in which he said, لا يدخل الجنة قاطع. This hadith means, the one who severs the ties with their relatives will not be among the first to enter paradise. And this hadith was narrated by Al-Bukhari. What does severing the ties of kinship mean? It is the type of behaviour that would cause their kin to repel away from them. For example, not visiting the kin or supporting them financially when they are truly in need and one is able. To do this without a religiously valid excuse is a sin of the body and is actually one of the major sins. Unfortunately, this sin is widespread these days and some families will cut ties with each other over frivolous matters, even something as simple as a misunderstanding at times. And some parents may even go to the extent of teaching their children to avoid those family members because of a small dispute that happened between them. These are not the manners that the Prophet encouraged. Not at all. On the contrary, our Prophet encouraged us to reach out to our kin, including those that cut ties with us. The religion of Islam is beautiful and always encourages the best conduct. A Muslim should treat well, those who treat them well, and those who do not treat them well. One should treat others with one's own manners and not with the manners of others. So, in practicing the followings of the Prophet, we should put forth effort in maintaining ties with the kin who severed ties with us, instead of only keeping ties with those who keep ties with us. Well said, and a beautiful reminder going into the month. It's lovely seeing the whole family raise their sleeves, helping to prepare the iftar meals, encouraging even the children to help in setting the table, mixing the bowl, washing the dishes, and other simple tasks It sparks a special type of atmosphere. And of course, working to help one's family members for the sake of Allah is a rewardable act. Considering all of the things that many of us have endured within the last few months, from loss of loved ones to financial hardships, we realize that we are all the more in need of spending this period harmoniously with our loved ones. In some families, there may be tensions that arise when they come together. But as you said, the Muslim is encouraged to be consistent with their manners, whether conversing with those who mistreat them or those who treat them well. Let us not forget the ones who are still enduring hardships and the special merit that one receives for alleviating worldly hardships for their fellow Muslims. It was narrated by Imam Muslim that the Prophet said, مَن Meaning, the one who relieves the distress Caused by the worldly grief of a believer, Allah will relieve him of one of the distresses of the Day of Judgment. This hardship includes that which causes sadness and depression for a person. The hadith continues to mention the merit of the one who assists an indebted person. The Prophet said what means that Allah will make it easy for him in this world and in the hereafter. SubhanAllah, with the hardships that our community is seeing in these times, it is not difficult to find someone facing hardship so that we can lend a hand. We are also seeing that many people are inflicted with severe illnesses. And of course, Islam encourages us to show compassion and care for our sick as well. In a hadith narrated by At-Tirmidhi, the Prophet ﷺ said what means that whenever a Muslim visits his sick brother in the morning, 70,000 angels will accompany him and ask Allah to forgive him until the evening. 
Likewise, if he visits him in the evening, 70,000 angels will accompany him and ask Allah to forgive him until the morning. MashaAllah. Did you know that there is also a special dua that is made for the sick person when entering upon them? A person would repeat the following dua seven times, asking Allah to cure the sick person. Yes, and if the person is not sick, you might greet them during this month by saying Ramadan Mubarak or Shahrun Mubarak Alaikum. And both of these phrases essentially have the same meaning, which is to say, have a blessed Ramadan. Another greeting that we hear often is And this means, may you be in a good state every year. And this phrase is used during many Islamic occasions. I also love the way you greeted me today by saying May Allah accept your good deeds. And your response May Allah forgive me and forgive you. Praise be to Allah who guided us to the religion that promotes the best manners. Alhamdulillah. As always, it has been wonderful speaking to you, Dima. And you. There's one more greeting I want to bring up before I leave. Assalamu alaikum. Of course. Wa alaikum assalam. Best wishes to all in Ramadan from the 2MFM family. Now comes the quiz portion of today's episode. Over the holy month of Ramadan, the AM Drive Time team has prepared some questions. Some are in Arabic and will be asked on the episodes of Tufu Shuf by Abir, and others are in English and I will ask them during my episodes of Ramadan Around the World. To submit your answers, Please send them through the exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan, which is 0491733448. That's 0491733448. The winners will be selected at the end of Ramadan, so ensure that you are following along and answering all our text in win questions. Are you ready? Here's today's question. What is the food that one is recommended to break their fast by eating? Once again, what is the food that one is recommended to break their fast by eating? If you do have an answer, you can send it to our exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan, which is 0491733448. That's 0491 733-448. Make sure to include your first name, last name and suburb as we always do with our text and win questions. Ramadan Mubarak from the AM Drive Time team. Events in Ramadan from Islamic History the birth of Imam Ali, the son of Abdullah, the son of Al-Abbas. The 
On the 17th day of Ramadan in the year 40 after the Hijrah, Imam Ali, the son of Abdullah, the son of Al-Abbas, was born. His lineage goes back to Al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was an extremely eloquent speaker and was the most handsome of the people of Quraysh on the face of the earth during his time. He was known for being amongst those who spend a lot of their time in prayer. It was said that Imam Ali, the son of Abdullah, owned 500 olive trees and he would pray two cycles of the Sunnah prayer at each of these 500 trees every day seeking the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was born on the night that Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, the fourth caliph of this nation, had passed away. Imam Ali, the son of Abdullah, was held in very high regard amongst the people of Al-Hijaz, to the point where when he approached Al-Masjid Al-Haram one day, seeking to perform Hajj, the people who were in separate groups united to sit as one group in his company. This was so due to his great status, and so that they may gain knowledge from him. These people would sit if he sat, stand if he stood, and walk with him if he walked until he would exit from the masjid. He was described to have a long beard and a tall and large stature. He was so tall that if he were to walk with people, it would appear as if he were riding and all those with him were walking on foot. However, when standing next to his father, Abdullah, the son of Al-Abbas, he would only reach up to his father's shoulder in height. It was said that he had at least 20 children and they were all male. He passed away in the year 117 after the Hijrah and he was close to 80 years old. And Allah knows best. Fast in this world, walk through the door. 
blessings, Ramadan. The month of blessings, Ramadan. The month of mercy, Ramadan. The month of mercy, Ramadan. Fast the day, pray every day. Come on, sins, stay away. Fast the day. Welcome to the second religious benefit segment for the series Ramadan Around the World. Today, we will be talking about the obligation of fasting during the month of Ramadan. Fasting the month of Ramadan is an obligation and a great act of worship. It is among the best acts of obedience. In fasting, there is tremendous reward. Imam al-Bukhari related the Qudsi hadith that the Prophet وسلم, said that Allah said, كل حسنة بعشر أمثالها إلى ضعف إلا الصيام فإنه لي وأنا أجزي به which means the reward of every good deed is multiplied from 10 up to 700 times, except that of fasting, which is usually done in sincerity, will be multiplied by as many times as Allah wills. One of the doors of paradise, named Ar-Rayyan, is specified for those Muslims who used to fast in this world. On the Day of Judgment, it will be opened, and those who used to fast in obedience to Allah will be called to enter through that door. Then, Ar-Rayyan will be closed, and no others will enter through it. The month of Ramadan is the ninth month of the lunar year. It is the best month of the year, as the night of Al-Qadr, which occurs in Ramadan, is the best night of the year. Fasting became an obligation upon the Muslims in the second year after the prophetic immigration. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam fasted Ramadan for nine years after which he passed away. The obligation upon the believers of fasting Ramadan is known from the Quran and the Hadith. It was explicitly stated in verse 183 of Surah Al-Baqarah which means, O believers, fasting is an obligation upon you, as it was ordained upon the Muslim nations before you, to help you become pious. Fasting was an obligation upon the nations before the nation of Prophet Muhammad However, fasting the month of Ramadan in particular is specific to the nation of Prophet Muhammad Moreover, Prophet Muhammad named fasting the month of Ramadan as one of the five most important matters of Islam in the famous hadith known as Hadith Jibreel, related by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Angel Jibreel came to the Prophet in the shape of a man with white clothes and asked the Prophet to inform him about Islam. In response, the Prophet said, الإسلام أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة 
وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت إن استطعت إليه سبيلا which means Islam is bearing witness that no one is God except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah performing prayer, paying zakah, fasting the month of Ramadan and performing pilgrimage if you are able. Consequently, for the one who has learned of its obligation, renouncing the obligation of fasting the month of Ramadan is blasphemy because it entails belying Allah and the Prophet. However, the one who believes fasting is an obligation and does not perform it without a valid excuse does not blaspheme, although their neglecting to fast is an enormous sin. And Allah knows best. لو غبت الطيف ساكن عالباب اشتقنا لصيام أحلى الأيام نسهر ما ننام مع الأحباب نجدي درجانا حب تجمعنا حتى المجمعنا معنا برمضان أهلا رمضان أهلا رمضان أهلا Foolish.